So you wanna watch a movie but you don't know which Choosing the one can be a bitch But Jared and Drew have perfected the art So sit back, relax, and trust the dark It's Dartboard Movie Night What's going on everyone? I'm Drew And I'm Jared And welcome to Dartboard Movie Night The podcast where we put 20 movies on a board, throw a dart at it, and let the fates decide we are covering our first musical tonight, Jared. How do you feel about it? Uh, I feel pretty interesting about it, honestly, I guess. We've um, talked about this in passing. I don't remember if any of this has ever made it onto an episode, but you generally don't gravitate towards these. Yeah, dude, that's almost like an understatement. Like, I really <laughs> almost always hate musicals. We may, have, we may have mentioned it in the past, but... There's exceptions when it's a stage performance. I find seeing it live is something about it is different to me. Sure. But I don't think I've ever loved a musical film. Um, we once talked about months and months ago, All That Jazz. That was a movie you had recommended to me. And that was the closest I got to like actively liking a musical. That movie's pretty dope, I will say. But overall, I just hate musicals. That's generally my reaction to things. And I was really intrigued by when you added this aboard. It's like, maybe it'll be one I like. I mean, who knows? Um, that was my thinking before going into it, of course. Um, but I'm really excited about this conversation. I think it's going to be unlike one we've had yet. And I'll be excited to jackknife dive into the conversation with you. Yeah. <laughs> so as mentioned, Moulin Rouge is this week's movie. Uh, and I got to ask kind of with the tradition questions, you know, um, what kind of made you want to put this on the board? I think I remember you saying you wanted to test my 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 <laughs> sensibilities. But, but yeah, what led to this getting on the board? And, 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 and yeah, let's start there, I guess. Well, it's it's been a topic of conversation ever since the episode we did that you mentioned about all that jazz. Mm -hmm. um, which was not an episode. This was just a test record. We recorded it on Apple earbuds. It sounds like shit. It'll never hear the light of day. Yeah. That's um, staying, that's staying. Up. <laughs> I think it was like the second one ever we did. And this was yeah. like a year ago now. Um, anyway, great movie, uh, that I love, uh, that everyone should go watch and definitely had a lot of influence on this movie for sure. Mm. But, uh, no, I, I wanted to put it on the board. Yes partially because I knew that musicals challenged you uh, in terms of like, you know, I, I think I think one thing that I find interesting is where people draw the line in their enjoyment of theatricality and over the topness and, mm -hmm. you know, um, playing to the rafters. Like, I think it's fun to open up our i you know our our kind of scope of like well what is what constitutes a good movie with something mm -hmm. like this that is just like so challenging to to like traditional senses of like what a movie should be yeah um and so i find stuff like that inherently fascinating so i you know i i and i know who Boz Lerman is as a filmmaker because i really love great the great gatsby and his romeo and juliet movies both of his leo collaborations i find like awesome i i think they're yeah. really interesting films and so i i you know i figured i would kind of grab you know enjoy this movie and i really really did but i definitely don't think it's on the level of those two that i just mentioned mm -hmm. um 
but we'll get into that more. I just, I, yeah, I, that's why I put it on here. It's a, it's a blind spot for me with Baz Luhrmann. Uh, it's a movie that I, uh, think is, is, is really interesting, uh, within the genre of, of musicals in general. Um, and it's one that I knew would kind of put you on your heels a little bit. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I like what you said about like, how much can people take about a a performance or a piece of art that's going really super big? And that line is different for every individual person, you know, and that I think will be a very key component of our discussion tonight is, is where those lines are drawn and the differences of that between you and I, and anyone's listening probably has very different lines too and Mm -hmm. that i think will be the most interesting crux of the conversation is like when when do you roll your eyes in disgust and when are you not having fun (laughs) with an energy level anymore and again that's different for everybody uh yeah disgust is a very strong word so i'm interested to see your the first of many (laughs) well all right well i'm gonna start just by saying that i i really dug this movie i think it's like it's chaos to the extreme it's not like it is so over the top it's does not care what you think about the, itself. It is going yeah. to do whatever it wants to do. And I always respect that in a filmmaker and in, in films. Um, I don't think all of it is totally successful. I, I understand like what, what you're about to get into, but I, I just, I can't help but love movies that um, wear their heart on their sleeve and they just like, don't care uh, about, appeasing your sensibilities you know they're just like um yeah i I just just like like it or don't there's a there's a there's a boldness to that approach that you find appealing for sure we're gonna be what we want and if you like it or you don't i don't care yeah and and i think there's an earnestness that comes with that kind of attitude in in filmmaking Mm -hmm. and it comes across in like uh, Ewan McGregor's performance and Nicole Kidman's performance and Jim Broadbent's performance and like the the way the camera floats and the dancers and like how much fun everyone is having like that just like it, it like all of that energy definitely like comes through this movie for me mm. and I I just I find it really endearing and and I love movies that yeah just are what they are and they they love what they are it's it's great um so i had a really fun time with this movie but what were your thoughts as the non-musical fan okay so as the non-musical fan i've sat with this movie for about 24 hours now i'm not ready to make this statement but i have really pondered it this might be my least favorite movie that i have ever seen (laughs) (laughs) i know that is such a speaking of over the top that statement is so over the top. And I, I'm like, there are worse movies. There are for sure worse movies that I have seen. You know, whether it's a yeah. sci-fi movie about a giant Komodo dragon fighting a giant snake or whatever. But in terms of my personal reaction to the to a movie, I was like, I think this is my least favorite movie of all time. I... <laughs> fucking hated it i hated it I so much you hated it so much and you know what dude <laughs> as soon as the movie started like when it started with that old timey uh mm-hmm. filter and <laughs> and the animated sequence of the guy singing like yeah, solo like the- in the tower mm-hmm. i was like 
I, I kind of dig this guy's voice and this could be kind of like a cool prologue. And then it zoomed in and did all the CG stuff with the people mm-hmm. in the foreground. And I was like, oh no, Jared is going Jared's- to fucking flip. Uh, he is going to hate this movie. You know, it's funny. So my I got my notes, my little papery notes right here. First note is opening dash a little masturbatory. And I was talking about the 20th Century Fox logo. Oh, I like, love that. I was like, and, fuck yes. I was like, that's a little bit much, but that's okay. Like, yeah. that's kind of cool. I've never seen that before. And then actually when the camera does that zoom in in the beginning that you're talking about, mm-hmm. of like through 19, 1899 or 1900 Paris and all of that. I was the like, weirdly th- cut out like blue screened people. Yeah. And, like, and I was like, that's actually pretty cool. Like, I was like, oh, okay, pr- you were into that. See, that, I was like, that I shot, thought you were going to check out on that. So I hadn't checked out yet. I was like, that shot, I was like, that's must have been very difficult to pull off in 2000 or whenever it was. Yeah. And it looks really cool. And it's like, it was really complicated. I was like, okay, that's pretty sweet. And then from there on, I was just like, I hate this. I hate that. I hate this. I don't even know yet. I hate your guts. I was just like, this is so... I have never seen a film that so aggressively screeches against my sensibilities. Like, all the things I tend to enjoy about movies, like subtlety, patience. And again, I like all sorts of different types of movies. We both do. But this dialed up all the things I tend to really only enjoy movies when it's handled with a lot of care. Uh, and not that this wasn't See, handled with care. Oh, but, okay. I was going to yeah, say, no, this, this was, movie is like, they're, like they're doing everything. They're doing chaotic ev- as it is. They're doing everything here on purpose. Like it's yes. all, they know it's going to be a smack in the face and a wall of energy and, and all of this stuff. It's all by design, but it was, it was a design that I just recoiled to. And I was just yeah. like, fuck this movie, dude. Like, the way I described it, so did you so watch my friends, this solo? Sorry, I did watch this solo, and I yeah I watched it solo, and then I met with some friends to play softball in the afternoon for a friend's birthday party, and I was like, I think I just saw the worst movie I've ever seen, and I started talking to, and this is how I described it to them. I was like, so Moulin Rouge, my reaction to it, it's like I did a massive line of cocaine. And then somebody strapped me down to a high-speed carousel and waterboarded me for two hours. I was like, this is don't fucking... So it was so exhausting and, oh. and over the top and just so like flabby and aggressive and, and impatient. And None of what you're saying is surprising to me right now because, yeah. I, like, because I know you, but mm-hmm. at the same time, it does break my heart because I'm like, well, oh, man. Because listen, I, I'll be honest. I, I saw this going one of two directions. I saw mm-hmm. it being either this direction or it is so fucking absurdly balls to the wall different than any other musical ever that yeah. maybe it would like get through to you that way. Yeah. But yeah, it, 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 it didn't, it will, we'll get into more specifics and stuff, but everything it seemed to be going for. And again, I know it's all with intention. This movie is doing everything on purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just, I really did not respond to it. And halfway through the film, I actually, I had, and I never do this, but it's like, I got to just see rotten tomatoes. Like, was this movie well received? Cause I know it's a famous movie. It's a, I know it's a popular movie. And again, I always, I'm sure I've mentioned this in the past, but I always like to see and digest a movie myself before I let 
allow any outside opinions. But I was so locked in in my decision already. It was like, I do really do not like this movie. And I'm curious what others thought. And the opening like snippet is like, it's a love it or hate it experience. I was like, that's really true. I bet that's true for a lot of people. And the people I was, t- my friends I was talking to at Softball about it, the people who had seen it before were like divided in two camps. My buddy Graham, who is a filmmaker and loves movies and all this stuff, um, he was like, oh, I really like that movie a lot. And I was so surprised because he, he and I share a lot of things in common with our taste in movies. And we mm-hmm. tend to agree on a lot of things. Yeah, you've brought them up before. Yeah. And then my friend Veronica, who loves musicals and is not avoidance of like uh, exuberant energy displayed on film, like she she can accept and enjoy that. She hated it. She's like, oh, my goodness, I hated that movie. And again, I didn't watch. I didn't have my viewing with these people. We were just talking about it after the fact. But um, so it's a very divisive movie, seemingly. Yeah. And tonight, our conversation that we have about it will probably just add another check in the list of that being the case, you know? Yeah, I mean, I don't think I'm going to sit here like defending the shit out of this movie because I yeah. do I do completely understand. Uh, I completely understand people not getting on this movie's wavelength because it is a very fucking specific wavelength. And a wavelength and I've never seen before, I will say. it's So it does have that going for it. Yeah, it's unique. Um, yeah, I've never seen something so relentless. No, uh, but but relentless is like Baz Luhrmann's middle name, and yeah. I think that leads to the next question. Which, well, I wanted to ask you: Have you ever seen a Baz Luhrmann film before? Great question. Um, I had so at some point in high school. I don't remember if it was for a drama class or an English class or a film class. I saw his Baz Luhrmann's version of uh, Romeo and Juliet. What was it called? Was that Romeo? for a class? It was for a class, yeah. So we watched. I mean, it. They, in terms of the the name, they spelled it out Romeo plus Juliet. Gotcha. Uh, but it, yeah, it, it was Romeo and Juliet. It was yeah. Bos Lerman's Romeo and Juliet, probably. So I was probably sixteen at the time, maybe, mm-hmm. and I remember really not liking it. It's funny. It, it hit me. He so far. I mean, I will just say for now, that's the only one I've seen. Okay. Um, it hit me in another sensibility that I have a hard time with, which is a combination of Shakespearean language in a modern setting has Mm. always kind of struck a chord with me in a negative way. I actually remember that was one of the reasons I initially kind of scoffed at Game of Thrones is I didn't like that combination of, of like old school wording with modern terminology. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. And I grew to love Game of Thrones and that, that became a characteristic of a show that didn't bother me. And I have thought that I would like to revisit the Romeo and plus Juliet version again, just because I did, I know I didn't aggressively hate it. I remember thinking like, I'm not really digging this, this sort of like modern colorful take on a classic. It's kind of a cool idea, but I wasn't responding to it, but I was super young. Well, if you would like to watch Romeo and Juliet again, uh, Amazon offers a delightful double Blu-ray package with both <laughs> Romeo and Juliet and this movie, Moulin Rouge, which I know you're going to want to revisit down the line. I may be, I may be 
trying to avoid giving him any of my money for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> After this experience, he 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 was like, I was like, he put dude, you did through. I do you're something traumatized. To you? He punished me. I'm just sitting there on the couch, like, dude, I didn't do anything to you, and you're just shaking me by the lapels all the time. Just leave me alone. <laughs> but okay, so you saw Romeo and Juliet, and yes, your yes. your reaction was overall negative it sounds like in general yeah yeah but like do a you hand remember wave specifics like, of like what you didn't like about it and again the memory is very vague yeah. i don't remember specifics um and i just but i just remember being kind of like eh not for me but it's kind of cool you know like it was that sort of thing yeah um well i'm a huge fan of that movie i think yeah. that movie's incredible i think and i would like, be willing to revisit it i would uh, that movie to me is his masterpiece it's like everything about what I like about his style, but a little bit more controlled. Uh, and I think like something about the, the overt theatricality and over the top nature of the movies that he makes, they work with the inherent kind of silliness of Romeo and Juliet as a story, because it's about yeah. two like dumb kids who fall in love and, you know, when they're teenagers and don't know any better and like, you know, they, they die over their love and it's very sweet, but yeah. it's also just, you know, like it's, it, it's, it's melodramatic. Naive. It's, it's simple. It's melodramatic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that, that plays with that theatricality really well, I think. Right. And this movie, I think attempts to get a similar concoction going. You know, from for sure, you know, of like, let's do let's do melodrama, but let's heighten the reality so much that, that the melodrama fits in this sort of crazed universe we're creating that is like surreal a little bit, you know. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. Um, but that's the only one. Do you know if that was his his first film? So no, so the his first film was a movie called uh, Strictly Ballroom, which uh, is one of the all time top grossing Australian films in in Australia. Uh, like it's it, he actually has four of the top ten movies of all time in Australia in terms of overall box office. There, that's pretty impressive. He's have you by seen far that film? their biggest director. That's cool. Have you seen Have you seen it's a ballroom. What, what was Strict called? Strictly Ballroom is what it's called. No, I have not seen it. Uh, it came out in nineteen ninety two. Um, and then he had Romeo and Juliet after that in 1996. He made this in 2001. He made uh, a movie called Australia with Hugh Jackman and Nicole Kidman, if you remember that, in 2008. I remember the poster. Never saw it, but I remember the poster vividly. I still haven't seen that one. That's that. I, I, so I've only seen three of his. I've seen uh, his film after Australia was Great Gatsby, which I really, really love. I think. Yeah, like, you dug that, right? I don't know why. I just, I dig that movie's energy. I think it's like, I think it's a great fucking movie. Um, mm. And it's an incredibly underrated Leonardo DiCaprio performance. It's so good. Yeah. Uh, and another anyway. sort of source material that could fit the dialing up of, of a surreal reality. I mean, and again, the great, the great Gatsby as a, as a piece of fiction, it's one of my favorite books. I've only read it once, but I actually read it in New Zealand, and it just I, I just fell in love with that book. Mm -hmm. But I wouldn't say it's necessarily surreal. It, it is grounded in a sort of reality, but it, I could see that it is ripe to be amplified and well, taken to Well, the roaring 20s of it all, you know? It's just like exactly. it's, a, it's a time period that is ripe for this kind yeah. of filmmaking, I think. Um, but, and, and his, like, modern sensibilities, like, the blend kind of works for it, I think. Yeah. Now, do you know anything about... Australia in terms of like the energy of that film because it looked when I when I have vague recollections of it coming out 
and it looked like a calm, a kind of quiet movie. Yeah, you it doesn't seem true? like his style. I, I, I need to go check it out just to see how different it is. It yeah. may, you know, watching this really makes me want to go check it out. So I might do that on my downtime. Yeah. But um, yeah, and also, I'll if back you if ever put, if you ever want to put a Boz on the board again, I'm down. Like just because I didn't like this one, I'm still interested to see what else he has to say. Well, know? one of our conversations earlier was like, what if we put a movie on the board that is like new? Yeah. And speaking of new movies, Boz has a movie coming out later this year called Elvis, wow. which is an Elvis biopic starring mm. an unknown guy playing Elvis, but Tom Hanks plays uh, Colonel Tom, uh, the guy, like his like main agent guy who like did all of his booking in his you know in his career basically, mm. um, who is like a guy from he's like a dutch guy so tom hanks is like putting on a dutch uh, touch voice for it and he's like oh my god that makes me nervous he's got prosthetics it's dude the movie looks crazy you should go look at the trailer it looks like like classic boz you're gonna hate it i'm it makes me so nervous because i saw what he did to actors i like in moulin rouge yeah and i was like oh man i like all these people and he's just like pushing them in the mud i'm afraid he's gonna do that to hanks we'll, we'll get to the actors i think some of these performances are fucking incredible personally i think they're great but that'll be fair we'll get there we'll get there and that'll be a fair statement but we'll but yes going back to elvis man you should probably just watch the trailer just to like see what you're in store for but i think it's like it's going to be fascinating i would be i'm very very curious to see a little bit of this elvis movie i'm very curious to see uh, his his debut too was he always this ballsy? Did he always take such big risks and chances? Yeah, I mean we saw uh, you know the Wachowskis. What when we saw Bound was was a really cool experience because it's like oh man you can see the talent right away and you can you can hear their voices right away. And I even though I didn't respond to Moulin Rouge, I can respect it as a piece yeah. of a, a, as an attempt. It's no, a I'm very ballsy. You- circus attempt really the whole thing is is like a high wire act in a lot of i'm ways. really glad you bring that up because i think that's the important thing to note here is like you know i've i've i'm you know you say it's your your least favorite movie of all time maybe but it might be but i'm just i i i have to very different from the worst to, okay very okay. different from the worst all right like, that's an important distinction yeah the yeah. movie is very well made and there are things about it like at one point in my notes i wrote I don't like anything about this movie. And then I, I speed rewatched it today and I was like, that's not true. There are elements of this movie I like, and it's not a poorly made film. Like I said, everything is done with intention. It's not a bad movie. Just in mm-hmm. terms of my personal reaction to it was so negative. But the movie is doing everything it wants to do and is trying to challenge audience expectations. Like they, I listened to a little bit of, of the commentary and, and, and Boz even said in the commentary is like, we wanted to aggressively kind of smash through the audience in the opening 20 minutes and just be like, really put them on their heels and know that, well, they either need to come with us and play along or they're not, they're not gonna, you know, they're not going to make it or they're not going to like it or they're not going to come with it. And I was mm-hmm. like, so he's, he was very aware. And I was on the side of the people. I was one of the casualties that he's predicting. He knew there were going to be people like me checking out from this sort of relentless energy that he's pre- presenting, mm-hmm. but he, he, he's going for something bigger and he's not, he's not sacrificing his vision for the people like me. And I can respect that. Yeah. Um, and, and again, he was aware that this was going to do this to certain groups of people. I just happened to fall on that side of the fence. hundred percent. No. And I think, yeah. I think that's like, 
that's the thing with with a, a film like this is like you can absolutely you are t- fully entitled to hate the movie yeah um but there's absolutely artistry behind it you For, know it, yeah no one could say it's poorly made because it's i mean boz lerman is like the guy is a He's the consummate artist. I mean, he's uh, been involved in dance and acting. Uh, he directed musicals. He directed operas on stage. Um, mm. He like he's just he's one of these guys who's just kind of you know like him or not he is a visionary you know mm-hmm. and and it's it's an an interesting uh, it's an interesting case of someone with such an aggressive way of conveying their art. Yeah, that it can be this off-putting, you know, mm-hmm. um, and and I, you know, I think I think yeah, I'm, I, you know, like you said, like he knows that going in, like that's just who he is, and he's not going to be, do anything different. Yeah. And I, th- I mean, he's found a lot of success. This movie was nominated for Best Picture. Like it's yeah. not like you know, a Romeo and Juliet. He won the Best Director BAFTA that year. Yeah. Um, like the guy, I mean, you know, it, it's just he he's a one of a kind filmmaker. And I think like it's important to recognize that in any conversation about this stuff, like when we're talking yeah. about good or bad, you know? Yeah. I mean, again, if someone told me they really dug it, I would be, I would like buckle up for the conversation, but I would not think they're crazy, but, but yeah. I would be excited to well, get into I'm it. I'm saying I really dug it. I, yeah, I no, think it so was we'll, fucking we'll, great. I thought we'll, it was super fun. Well, yeah. l- tell me what you didn't like about it. Like, let's get into yeah. that, and I'll tell you what I loved about it. It's so it's such a unique. It's going to be such a unique episode in so many ways. And one of the ways is that normally, so far, I've almost liked pretty much every movie, with the exception of Sling Blade. But normally, I like like it, and but then I have a little couple of nitpicks that I like to mention near the end. This yeah, this one is flipped. I have a couple of things that I like, and pretty much everything else I don't like. Okay. Um, I would say some of the more, I guess, where do I start? The, the the comedic sensibility I was really not having. And I understand they're going, f- they're, they're going for, it seems to me, like they're going for, let's do comedy in the style of that time in a way. Let's do like hmm. big vaudeville, energy and goofy kind of slapstick gags kind of amplified to like cartoon well it's only yeah you're bordering on like clown levels yes like it's like like you're at a circus almost they're going they're going very very old school with the style of the comedy and they're dialing it up to 11 and they're taking it into the absurd and i have just never seen a movie try so hard to be funny that just was actively unfunny to me Mm-hmm. So that was one of the bigger components to me where I was like, this is just so these, this, I know what they're trying to, I feel like I know what they're going for here, but I'm not, it's like, I can see through it and I'm not enjoying it. And a scene that comes to mind in terms of specifics is like when the Duke shows up at Nicole Kidman's elephant room mm-hmm. and like Ewan McGregor has to duck and hide Right. And she is being so like, oh no, and like so over the top, and like making all these weird noises and dances, just trying to distract him. Yeah. And on top of all this, there's all these wing bang pow Batman sound effects, like on every like camera move and body movement. I'm just like, I'm just not having this. It's not funny. It's lame. I'm not laughing at all. And there, the movie was full when it was going for comedy with stuff like that. Oh, and the song, the uh, 
dun, 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 dun. They'll be playing for 15 years. I hated that sequence so much. <laughs> I was just like, this movie just sucks, dude. It's just so in your face and just so whacking off. It's just like, I can't, I can't get, I can't stand it. But uh, what, so, man, this is really just ringing you out. I, I know. I was like, it was really like, I wanted to bail on it a couple times. Like, no, 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 no. I'll, I'll, I'll watch the movie. Um, and again, we'll, we'll, we will get to the some, the some things that I did like, because it, well, it's not all trash from my perspective. Well, look, I think... I also this, don't want to dominate you, the conversation. I feel like I'm no, not no, no, no. You, you I, I just yeah. wanted to, I wanted to see like where, where you know the the hatred was really stemming from. I would so, say comedy that, that helps me guide. That helps me guide what I want to focus on with what I yeah. liked because um, for me it's like you brought up the Wachowskis earlier, which is a really interesting comparison because um, they also just do not give a flying fuck what anyone thinks about their films. Yeah. Um, they're going to do what they're going to do. And, you know, I've brought it up in the past. You've talked about it as a potential dartboard nominee. I would love to see it go on the board, but I also would just love you to watch this movie. It's Speed Racer. Mm. And listen, like, I think this movie belongs to a family of movies that have this chaotic energy that are are kind of predicated on this idea of we don't care about r- reflecting reality in any way. We don't yeah. want to adhere to any laws of physics or uh you know any any we want to live in this in our own world when we're within the you know the two hours that we're with this movie right and i love movies when they're just turning the dial to 11 on theatricality and uh you know bombast and i i i i it, it allows these movies to get to these operatic levels that I find really moving as a film viewer. And, you know, perfect example of that is, is the, you know, the thing that you said ex- immediately exhausted you about the movie, which is the, the whole kind of first scene at the Moulin Rouge. Uh, mm-hmm. That's kind of, you know, it's a mixture of the can-can bit with Jim Broadbent, who I will get to Jim Broadbent, but I fucking love him in this movie. <laughs> He's like the just, oh my God, I, I fucking love every bit with Jim Broadbent in this. But anyway, the can-can scene to me kind of, you know, we've talked in the past, specifically in the E.T. episode of these symphonic moments in films where they build and build and build and then they just climax with this this overture of you know like dancing and and light and and visuals and sound and like like it's these points in movies that that you know leave you like you know they 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 lift you off your feet Mm. and for me that's this movie has moments like that with 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 you know, the can-can scene at the beginning, uh, kind of building to the diamonds are a girl's best friend building to, you know, more can-can like I, that whole sequence of introducing Nicole Kidman, introducing the concept of the Duke and, you know, basically setting up the entire plot of the movie in this one sequence. Um, it, it, it moved me. And, and I was like, I, I didn't expect that because I thought this was going to be, you know, this movie has been described as a jukebox musical, which is a musical that's incorporating pop music as mm. opposed to original pieces of, of music uh, as in a traditional Broadway musical. And 
um, I didn't expect to be moved by something like that, you know, and, and like when they, they get to the smells like teen spirit that like gave me kind of chills. Like I felt like these, these moments like really resonate with me. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, again, kind of goes back to the difference in how we view films, which is just, sure. you know, I get overwhelmed by the visuals and the, you know, the, the composition and the, the way they use sound and light and all these things. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what moves me about movies. And I think like you maybe are moved more by, you know, the dialogue and the, the construction and the acting and like the, the stuff like yeah. that. I tend um, to be, anyway, I tend to be, I don't a, want to put words in your mouth, but yeah. no, 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 you're, you're exactly right. I tend to be more drawn to movies that talk about the human experience in a, in a, in a, I don't want to say deliberate, but in, in a, in a serious way, in a, sure. in a, in a relatable way. <laughs> Very and, serious, Jared. Yes. Mm, yeah. Yes. But, uh, no, but, I, but like I think this, I like, I like movies as an escape too. Yeah. And, and, and this, this is, is a movie as an escape. And this is a movie that is like, you know, I like that I can just let myself get lost in this thing for a, for a couple of hours and um, mm-hmm. and I don't have to think about my life. I get to think right. about just like what a fucking like cool thing it is to like have them just randomly be dancing in the clouds next to the Eiffel Tower. It's just like I don't know. It's just like fuck yeah. Like that's yeah. that's why fun. Not? Like I love why fucking not. Yeah, yeah. And I think like you know, you're ha- you're having these um, these very valid emotional action. Uh, you're having these very valid emotional reactions to these these scenes where they're kind of reaching through and they're punching you in the stomach. Like that's that's obviously what all these things are designed to do. Uh, and I think that's really fair. And it's funny that you that you mentioned like the dancing in the clouds, right? And it's like, why not? The thing I kept thinking about in my head as I'm watching this movie is the scene in Jurassic Park where Malcolm says to John Hammond, it's like, yeah, but your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not that they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. And I just kept thinking about that line in this movie, but not for scientists, but like filmmakers. But it's like, yes, of course, you can do anything you want. And we even talked about that last week with The Exterminating Angel. You can, A movie can be anything that it wants to be. But it's like, it doesn't mean it necessarily should. And again, this is all from my my emotional reaction to the movie, but it's like, yes, sure. you can make of dialed up fever dream vaudeville movie. Uh, that's like also a bit of a fairy tale with like a Duke and a dark tower. It's like, yes, but it doesn't, doesn't mean it's a good idea. And again, all from my tastes, <laughs> but it's like, it, it just was, and then but again, why, the ending, it why, why shouldn't it exist? Is my, question. It, it should exist. I'm just saying again, it's from, from my tastes. Like I, I was just trying to be like, kind of like, it just, I kept thinking that. <laughs> no, I, know. Like, I, I yeah. The editing is just so aggressive, but again, the editing is aggressive. And, and that is one thing that like, I, you know, even I, at times in this movie, I was like, okay, just like hold on at this a little bit. Like, can we, we take don't a need- moment? Yeah, I mean, he's yeah. cutting like multiple times a second, not yeah. just like, you know. And, and and again, too, like I can forgive it for that intro because, again, especially based on what he said. It's definitely where the cocaine comes into play. Yeah, dude. Again. But it's like, okay, they're, they're trying to just throw you in the deep end of the pool of this environment. And they're trying to try to make you feel what it would feel like to be there amongst all this chaos and, mm-hmm. and kind of like opulence and craziness. And so that's why they're going for this aggressiveness. Right. Mm-hmm. But a scene that I was really actually enjoying until the editing stuck its big finger in my eye was the like Roxanne song 
I really liked seeing that guy perform. Like I was like, oh, that song is this, great. It's that, great. That song. whole sequence is great, and 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 that's kind of the blend of theatricality that I love. And I was I was vibing with it actually. I was like, this is a cool song choice. Like, the, it's being really well performed. But again, he just starts. They they start just cutting so aggressively to what's going on with Nicole sure. Kidman, what's going on with Ewan McGregor. And it's like, I just kind of wanted to see the guy perform this. It was really cool. But now I'm like lost in a sea of like cuts. And I, I bet they're trying to denote what jealousy feels like. And it's going it to be kind I don't know. Maybe. That's getting yeah. a little highfalutin. But it's just like the point is like, I just wanted to, to see it. This no, guy I, is doing a great performance. Like, can I just watch it? And I think I think this kind of editing I'm okay with in Baz's hands because he just he knows kind of what to do. I I hope it's not Baz and we're just saying Baz. It might be Baz. Who yeah. cares? How about you say Baz and I'll say Baz. <laughs> Baz. So Baz. What, at least um, at least the podcast will be fifty percent right. Yeah, there you go. But uh, I think in 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 Baz's in Baz's hands. I mean, I think Baz sounds better. I'm going to say Baz. Go for Baz. I like it. I think Baz's hands. I think in Baz's hands, this kind of editing works for me, but mm-hmm. I think it also is responsible for influencing a lot of really shit fucking filmmaking that, you know, people like yeah. misuse this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I'm of two minds on it because I know it's like traditionally it's not what you would think of as good editing because honestly, like continuity becomes like a massive problem with the way his editing mm-hmm. happens. Yeah, um, yeah. But it is also crazy to think about just how how chaotic his sets must be to do all these setups and like get all this coverage and like crazy, dude. That was one thing I thought was impressive, even though, again, I'm not reacting to the movie positively, like emotionally, but when they when they, again they're doing all these rapid fire like flipbook images of like all this crazy shit especially in the opening and it's like they had to set all of these up and these frames they're like on they're on the image for like not even a second they're just like they're just flashing by so yeah. quick it's like it's each one of these little shots has is so much work like you're it saying is. and it's crazy to think of all the work that goes into an image that probably is on the screen for just a handful of frames, and then it's gone. So it's, yeah. but that that was pretty cool. It is really crazy to think about. Um, yeah. I would love to see how his sets work, honestly, mm-hmm. just because it's got to be unlike any other filmmaker. Dude, there were but, no shots outside in this movie. It was all 100% in a studio. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah that's, that's pretty that crazy. Is crazy to think about. Um which you would need to. You need I to actually, have that level of control, you know? I listened to the commentary, too, and the cinematographer actually was like, I actually was really proud of this particular shot, and it was leading into the Roxanne bit, I think, um, and mm. it's where they have, like, what looks like natural light pouring into the the theater during the day. Mm-hmm. And um, he was like, I'm actually really, really proud of, like, the fact that that looks real. Like, that looks like natural light, like, pouring in. Yeah. Um, they did a good job. Yeah, it's a yeah. really well well shot movie. I brought up the Wachowskis earlier uh, again, just because you know you mentioned them, and then I wanted to connect it to Speed Racer because it's got a, a. I feel like a lot of the chaotic energy is the same. Some other movies that kind of fit into that mold, you know, George Miller's movies, all the Mad Max series, like that is mm-hmm. absolutely the same kind of chaotic. I can energy. see that. I can see that big time. Thinking of Fury Road. Yep. It is. It well, is but similar. I'm thinking the Road Warrior too, and and mm-hmm. Thunderdome. I mean, Thunderdome is like you want to talk about a fever dream. Holy shit, that movie. I've is never ca- seen is that. Chaotic. Is You've never a, is, seen Return to Thunderdome? No, is that a dartboard candidate? Or, or Beyond Thunderdome? Not not yeah. Return. 
Uh, dude, no, I've never seen it. Be- Beyond Thunderdome rules. That movie fucks so hard. <laughs> dude, I might have to put it up, dude. Even Because I'm wondering if I don't respond to these sort of fever dreamy. I think that's a good term that we can kind of broadly apply. And again, yeah. it's not a fever dream, but I like movies. it. It's like, I think those movies generally I don't react to, but I'm curious to keep testing it, you know? Uh, yeah. So I and maybe, maybe in soon. an action setting, you gravitate towards it more. Yeah. Um, and it's, but I it's think funny that because be... speaking about Fury Road, just really briefly, I remember sure. thinking like when that movie came out and everyone was praising it, like everyone was like, holy shit. And I was just like, it's okay. So again, I think I have a sort of a natural aversion to this sort of fever dream, coked out energy, but we'll have yeah. to, Again, I'll keep testing it. But you've seen The Road Warrior, right? Not the original. I've only seen... Uh, Dude! Oh, my God. Well, hold on. Beyond Thunderdome is the third one. Well, you you got to start with Road Warrior. I mean, it, it, go back to the original Mad Max if you can, but the <laughs> original Mad Max is its own thing because like, that's like... Is that Mel Gibson? Yeah, all of them yeah. are Mel Gibson. All three of the the first the first three Mad Maxes are, are all Mel Gibson. But um, yeah, so the first one he starts as like a, a police officer, and like the apocalypse hasn't even really happened yet. Oh, crazy! Um, okay, that's kind of so. Cool. So that one's different. Uh, but the first one is is an incredibly low budget film that the stunts are crazy. It's like it's it's really fun to watch for that. The Road Warrior is like kind of like. George Miller going back and redoing the first movie basically, but setting it post-apocalyptic and like just doing it to like the next level, basically Mm -hmm. like doing the same thing. And it ties into a movie that I wanted to bring up that I didn't talk about in the pre-chat. So for context people, we, to get in the mode of like talking, we start talking about kind of like what we watched in in the week prior uh, before we get to the movie of the week. And I said that there was a movie that I had watched this week that I was going to save for the show. And it's another one of these kind of chaotic energy movies. And I wonder if you've seen it, but it's a different genre. It's the evil dead series. Have you seen the evil dead movies? No. Are those the um the the Sam kind Raimi, of Sam Yeah, Raimi the Sam films? Raimi movies. They're they're a bit of a shamer for me. I've never seen any of them. Dude. Okay. So, so Sam Raimi is getting covered on blank check just for context. That's uh, why I've I've been rewatching his stuff, but Evil Dead 2 So so Evil Dead 1 was a super low budget uh gr- like grimy, super gory uh insane horror movie that uh, Sam Raimi made when he was like 22, 23 using like dentist money, basically Um, like that. He had gotten loaned from dentists. That's why I say dentist money. Um, But he and like some friends just basically made it in the woods. And then Stephen King saw it at a, 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 like a film festival and was like, this is fucking batshit insane. This is the coolest horror movie. It's so cool. You got to go watch the original evil Dead. it's great. Um, It is a, horrifying movie like it is super terrifying and then evil dead 2 when he actually got a budget he went back and made evil dead 2 and uh, it was his third movie i think and he basically remade the first one but as a horror movie that's influenced by like looney tunes and the three stooges and it's Mm. like super chaotic doing like whatever the fuck it wants kind of movie yeah um and it has this exact same kind of energy, and I don't know. I just I love movies like this. We we like I feel I like want, you need to dig I more into these us, kind of things. I want to get one of these on the board soon because it's so funny too. Because if it's true what I'm saying about my reactions and that maybe maybe I don't respond well to these sort of fever dreamy things, there's there's a there's a little bit of a, a logic hole 
in a way because I loved Looney Tunes as a kid. I loved Three Stooges. So I'm wondering if maybe in my mind I like them to be self-contained and I don't like them spilling over into other genres. I don't know. But I'm very curious to check it out. I know it's a legendary horror franchise. And I do think it's cool that Stephen King is often very generous with praise when he feels... He champions things, yeah. Yeah, like he was a he was a really big champion of Stranger Things early on when that first... That show first well, dropped because it's Netflix. jacking off Stephen King for sure. But it's, it was cool of him to pretty much such an it's a good show and it doesn't bother me because they were ripping uh, him off big time. Um, a more cool one is that he really loves Mike Flanagan as, and has been super supportive of of Mike Flanagan's career and getting him able to make you know big big stuff basically. Yeah. Um, also, I had a question for you real quick. Yeah, is it my imagination or do you think there might be some merit to this that for whatever reason it seems like low budget horror films are easier to succeed than other genres. Like I hear yeah. that a lot of like people like saws and other famous. Well, the movie. original Halloween is a super yeah. low budget film. Uh, it, well, there was an era, especially around the late seventies into the early eighties where they, those movies, they just knew if they put them in a theater, they were going to get a certain return. It didn't right. matter how good it was. And so they, these Production companies basically were giving a bunch of young filmmakers small budgets, but unlimited artistic freedom to make these things. So mm-hmm. a lot of really cool shit was coming out. And I mean, that's the same deal with Blumhouse. I mean, we talked about that, I think, a few weeks ago. I, I forget mm-hmm. if it made it into the show. But, you know, Blumhouse is uh, this guy, Jason Blum, who started a production company. And he is has this business model where they make horror movies for really low budgets but they give the filmmaker full artistic freedom, um, understanding that they're going to have a few of them that just make their budget back, but they know that if they get one out of every you know, 15 at a low budget that they make in a year, uh, if they get one that makes $100 million, it pays for everything for the year, year and a lot more. So it's like an interesting business model. Um, yeah, it's like yeah, increasing it's, it's all, your odds. Almost. Yeah, and it's all predicated on the fact that just the, the horror horror has a massive fan base uh, that are incredibly devoted and they will watch any straight to video, you know, sequel, uh, you know, offshoot, whatever it is, like they devour those movies. Mm -hmm. Um, so, I mean, look, look, there's a whole freaking streaming service built around it called shutter. That's all just horror movies, just as far as the eye can see. Um, so it's just, yeah, it's just a place that's kind of incubated a lot of talent and, uh, yeah, yeah. evil dead is part of that. Yeah, it's cool. And I am, I am very curious to, again, I think in due time they will make their way onto the board, these types of movies that are w- like super kinetic and super aggressive. And I'll be very interested to see how I respond to them. You know, I, I hope I dig, I hope I dig them, but I'm yeah. starting to suspect I might have a slight aversion to that sort of mentality, the sort of energy well, in a film. I mean, I don't know. I mean, talking about Sam Raimi, I, you're a big fan of Spider-Man too, right? Love it. Love it. That's, that's that has a lot of that energy. Yeah. I, but I think, yeah, that's true. That's true. And it's I, more and controlled because it's a huge budget movie where they have like some say over that, but yeah. Yeah. I was thinking too, uh, I, I was tossing around this idea as like a question of like, what's the most coked out movie you've ever seen? And like of the movie that was coming occurring to me was like Magnolia uh, is a very <laughs> aggressive coked, coked out, out movie. Yeah, literally coked out. Um, but, um, and, and I love Magnolia. That's one of my favorite Paul Thomas Anderson movies. So that's a different I, kind I don't of know. coked out energy though. This is like, 
it's uh, not as well. It is. It does have. A I guess this is moment, more psychedelia than it is coked out. Yeah, I guess I think that's fair. Yeah, it's almost like it's like tripping. Yeah, I think that's a, that's. I think that's a fair statement. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what they would call psychedelia. Um, <laughs> but yeah, anyway, um, I yeah, I just wanted to kind of talk about that a little bit because I think it is uh, um, it is important to watch you know movies within the context that they're meant to be watched in some ways, yep. and and I think this movie is meant to be like you know taken on its own terms that way. Yeah, absolutely. So. I wanted to ask you, so I mentioned some of the scenes that I really didn't respond to. Yeah. Um, like like the the Duke at the doorway and, and Nicole Kidman trying to distract him. How did you feel about those scenes? Did you did you find them funny? Did you like them? Well, that particular scene that you're highlighting was one of the points where I was like, oh, maybe I'm not into this. Like, I, I, didn't, I didn't totally vibe with that either. And I was like, mm-hmm. you're going to have to win me back with some, some big... Um, musical moments that will kind of like outweigh some of this Elevated stuff. A little bit, yeah. Look, I mean, like, I think the movie is flawed for sure. Um, I don't, I don't think it's perfect by any means. And and I think that that's a fair critique of it. Yeah. Now we, um, but yeah, I, I, think- I, I do think overall, maybe not the comedy, but I, I, I grew to really freaking love the performance of the Duke, the guy, mm. the actor's name is Richard Roxborough. And it is a full on cartoon. Like it is, it yeah. is not a real person. It is. It is <laughs> he is he, a he belongs in a Buzz twister. Bunny cartoon. Yeah, he is. He is the one of the most like. He's like a Disney villain. Like he's like Sauron or something. He's such a straight up villain, you know. Um, and I, I didn't care for it. There are other performances. It's a that little I liked, bit funny. Yeah, oh my. God, I love that turned. shit. I, that was <laughs> cracking me up. And, and uh, you know, going back to Jim Broadbent, I Jim Broadbent, I was like, give him the fucking Oscar. This yeah. shit is so funny. He's he's like he reminded me of, um, you know, the uh, the episode of South Park uh, Imagination Land. Yes, yes. He's like I the Imagination exactly. the Land guy, guy like song, Imagination. Yeah. <laughs> that might have been a direct pull, like reference to this, because you're right. It's super similar. It feels like it, but just yeah. the if you can, 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 like that whole yeah. bit, I was like, fuck yes, this is awesome. Like, I will say, I like that character and I like the performance, even though it yeah. is so dialed up. He was probably my favorite person in the movie. So, okay, uh, but going back to the Duke, what do you think about the Duke? Oh, you I didn't, you didn't vibe him. with it? Hated yeah. him. It was just so, uh, and again, I know this is the intention, but yeah. it was so, no, no, there's, there was a moment, right, where. There, the, Nicole Kidman and Ewan McGregor are having their like split down the center aisle, right? And they they're like kind of having that moment where they are accepting their love, and the the face on the Duke is like kind of a complicated face, and I'm like, oh wait a minute, like you know me, I even when I try to stop, I'm guessing where movies are going. Um, I was like, oh wait a minute, is he gonna have like a a moment of like witnessing true love and maybe just dropping something, just letting it go. Mm-hmm. Cause it, cause again, there looked to be like he was conflicted for a moment and that it was like, Nope, Nope. There's no place for subtlety in this movie. And he's just right back to it. It's like, oh, oh, he's got the gun. And then that's, st- I literally, I think I, don't I said, like people touching my things. My thing. I was just like, Oh, he's such a, bad character in my opinion I, I just he was so over the top that he crossed any sort of shittiness for that's me fair. It was just like that's fair he, 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 
he was playing for the cheap seats. Yeah, again, those were some of the components where I was like, "This is, this is." I think they're tapping into like fairy tales. Like this is like the Wicked yeah, Witch in totally. a way. Like this is a, this is supposed to be a very kind of cut and dry tragedy story that involves one person that is a straight up villain, and they're not interested in exploring the gray areas of villainy. Like they're just they want to just have this big performance. But I didn't react to his performance very well, even even with that in mind of like. I know this is all on purpose, but I'm not. Right. I'm not digging it. That's but the other enough. guy, uh, what? Sorry, what was the Jim actors? Broadman. Yeah, Broadman. He he, like I could see his charm punching through. And well, Jim Broadbent is a, a fascinating guy. Uh, he's always been one of my favorite character actors. I love him in Cloud Atlas, the Wachowskis film. Going back to that, um, I think he's incredible in that movie. Um, I he's good in I, Harry Potter. Yeah, he's great in Harry Potter. He's just great in in every part that he gets. But um, what's funny about him is he actually won the Best Supporting Actor Oscar this year that this came out, but not for this movie. He won it for uh, a a movie called Iris. Cool. Yeah. Maybe we should put that on the board someday. Yeah, I don't know much about it. I think it's a Kate Winslet movie. I do like him, and I did did think he was solid in this. Um, He was a bit of a redeeming quality for my reaction, where I was like, Hey, this guy is charming. I mean, I wish he wasn't being so mistreated in the editing bay, but he didn't he, like he's, how he's being deployed. Yeah, it's like, oh, it's like, do we need this the Looney Tunes sound effects? And another, okay, this is crazy. I'm so conflicted about these things. I love the movie Kung Fu Hustle. That is a very yeah, absurd, totally. surreal yeah. movie. Uh, so sometimes it does work for me. I it haven't does, seen that. I've only doesn't. seen clips of that. That's one for my boy. Oh, dude, that movie's fucking awesome. I yeah. love that movie. I'm so excited to hear that you haven't seen it. That movie is fucking sick. I bet you might like it even more than me. I'm excited. Yeah, that, okay. that might be. Oh, me. God, I'm so excited for that. Um, so, yeah, I, as I'm thinking about it more, there are over-the-top and surreal movies that do hit me. But this one yeah. just didn't. Um, do you want to talk about kind of... The the big the, you know the biggest the characters you know in the movie. Well, I mean, yeah, we we talked about uh, you know the Duke and and we talked about uh, I'm, I'm blanking on Jim Broadman's character's name, but we talked about Jim. Um, yeah, what is his name? Oh, it doesn't matter. On. He's doesn't he's matter. the can can guy. Yeah, he's the he's can 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 with a great mustache and all ton of rouge on and and yeah. also pre- a pretty pretty moral character. Like um, I, I I think you know obviously he gets. Greedy yeah. early on, and it kind of. But he's mostly he's mostly. But he's he. Well. I do feel yeah. he has Nicole Kidman's interest at heart, and like uh, even yeah. in even in the beginning when they're like dancing around, mm-hmm. and he like pretends to grab her ass, like when she comes out on stage, he doesn't actually grab it. Like there is they're they're doing a performance together, and he he never to me seems to cross that line into like CD manager. Like he he genuinely seems to care and love about Nicole Kidman's character. Even when he's trying to manipulate her with like telling her that she's going to die in order to kind of like, you know, with the consumption thing. Mm-hmm. Like I do feel like I don't know. He he does have so oh, now I'm now I'm finding my way to find some subtlety in the film. But I did like that he wasn't like the normal sort of greasy seedy club owner that we see a lot. He did seem to have a heart, you know. Totally. Um, so we talked about the Duke. We talked about the mayor of Imagination Land. Um, <laughs> we uh, did not get to the two main characters, though, yet. I mean, you mentioned Nicole Kidman. Um, mm-hmm. 
I she's in an interesting point in her career right now because this is her first movie after Eyes Wide Shut, which is another movie we did a, a practice episode on. Which is a um, dope movie. I yeah. like that movie a lot. I remember you really enjoying that one. Yeah, that, I want to see that, it again. I love that movie. Um, but underrated she, somehow. She's Sorry. incredible in that movie. I think yeah. she's the best performance in Eyes Wide Shut. Um, but she is coming off of that. She's also nine months. This movie came out nine months before she got divorced from Tom Cruise and mm-hmm. got set free and kind of became the amazing like powerhouse that she is now today. Like mm-hmm. I, not that she wasn't a powerhouse at that point, but I mean, like I think she's ascended to a new level. She keeps getting uh, better, man. She, she's she, gotten better with age. I, I love yeah. Nicole Kidman. She is one of my all time crushes. I've, I think I've mentioned that in the past probably. Um, but yeah, you're uh, a huge Kidman fan and I like her a lot too, but you're a super fan. I would say. I just think she's incredible. Yeah, I, you're not wrong. I, I love her in everything. Um, yeah. And I, I mean, she's, she's stunningly still, she beautiful. Kinda, and yeah. Say what you will about season two of Big Little Lies, but season one was was really good television in my opinion. Out of and she's good. She's she, the only person I think that rivals her in terms of like charisma, and I loved in that show was Adam Scott. But 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 Nicole Kidman. <laughs> you just have a boner for Adam Scott. I love Adam Scott, but I also <laughs> like when he plays things a little more serious, like like he does in. Big Little Lies, uh, because I know that was his goal. Actually, when he first started acting, he wanted to be like a serious, dramatic actor, and he obviously ended up having a very natural gift towards comedic acting. But sure. it, I like seeing when he gets to tap into his more dramatic side because I think he has it in spades. But point being, Kidman is exceptional, and as, and this is the only time I've ever seen her where I wasn't like floored. I think I was, and, and again, it was okay. nothing that she was doing wrong. It was the direction and and what the movie was trying to accomplish. I was not reacting to. She's in a really interesting part of her career where she's working with interesting filmmakers like Jane Campion. She did Portrait of a Lady with Jane Campion in '96. Um, she worked with Kubrick, obviously, for Eyes Wide Shut, and spent like two years of her life basically filming that. Mm-hmm. Um, she also around this time she was in the uh, Val Kilmer Batman movie Batman Forever. You want to talk she? about another movie with like chaotic kind of fever dream energy? <laughs> uh, who is she in that? She's Doctor Chase Meridian, who's the love interest in it. Oh my goodness! But she's would, she's she kind of great in it. She's, she would have been a good Poison Ivy, dude. I was poking around on Amazon just because I'm like I'm really getting into just buying the Blu-rays of all the movies that we that we watch. So I've like mm-hmm. bought a couple like that I know will hit on the board eventually. Uh-huh. Um, but I picked up Batman Forever on Blu-ray because it was like $7. And I was like, yeah, why not? I'll grab that. Sure. Um, and I, I loved that movie. That was one of the first movies I saw, like remember distinctly going and seeing in theaters. I saw it with my grandfather and was like, this is the fucking shit. And I was like <laughs> six years old. It was awesome. I don't know if I've seen that film. So I'm excited because I'm not, I don't, I'm not super knowledgeable on Batman movies in general. Oh, like, other than outside of the Chris Batman Nolan fan trilogy stuff but yeah um, i grew up yeah. on the keaton batmans and and batman forever and even batman and robin i i kind of dug when i was a kid well so. we all we know you love bob the goon ah, big fan of bob the goon, <laughs> bob the goon. big <laughs> fan of bob the goon i i'm glad you remember that yeah 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 um, uh, but no other stuff she was doing around this time she was in the peacemaker which is that uh crazy kind of like uh nuclear warhead standoff movie that i told you about a few weeks ago with uh george clooney um, she was in Practical Magic around this time, which is a delightful little movie if you've never seen that. Yeah, uh, she's just in a really fun phase of her career. I don't know. I love the movies she was doing around this time. 
to wrap up on Nicole Kidman, though, I think, you know, the other thing to note from this year is she has this is a big year for her because she also has the others that comes out this year, which was one of the top grossing horror movies of that decade, I want to say. Um, it was a really, uh, really well reviewed, did really successful horror movie, and it kind of propelled her into, um, yeah, a new stratosphere. And I think she won the Oscar the next year for the hours. Mm. She's just, she's just really, I mean, I wouldn't even say at the peak because she obviously, like we mentioned, continued greatness and still does to this day. Um, but just crazy that, that hot streak she was on then of just mm-hmm. like the, what she had going on and all, a lot of very different projects. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to say too, before we fully move on from Kidman, that you're a big mm-hmm. fan of Stoker, right? You like that I film? I am, yes. We, yeah, she's I, pretty I, cool. That was that one of my me. favorites of, of Park Chan-wook's filmography yeah. when we talked if about If anyone that. wants to see kind of an eerie, creepy movie by a South Korean director, but it's an English film, uh, Stoker might be a good one to check out. It's a pretty I cool flick. I love Stoker, man. Oh, that movie rules. And yeah. she's incredible in it. She, she has one powerhouse scene at the end. You know which one I'm talking about. Yes. When she's talking yes. to Mia Vasikowska. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll keep that. We'll keep that. Uh, you know, oh. hid. But yeah, uh, I'm not going to say any more than that because that's yeah. that is a big spoiler. But and it's a, her. It, yeah. Oh, incredible. It's a great performance. And that's the that. I mean, she's so good at that type of character mm-hmm. in this movie. Stoker, she plays a character kind of similar in like social status as her character from Big Little Lies, I would say. Someone who is wealthy and enjoys wine and these sorts of things. And Socialite. I'm glad that she hasn't. I mean, she she finds her way to these roles relatively frequently, but she's not typecasted. And movie like Moulin Rouge and other things show her ability to really break out into any sort of role that she wants. Yeah. And again, she can those, play status or she can play lack of status, too. Yeah, she's, yeah. she's very good at both. For sure. All right, Ewan McGregor. How do you feel about Ewan? Honestly, I thought he was pretty good. Um, I'd say Similar deal with Kidman. I didn't like what he was being asked to do. But there was a sort of sincerity to his performance that yeah, I Yeah, I was going to say the earnestness of his yeah. performance is just, it's it comes through really, I, I think I believed he's it. really warm and, and inviting in this movie. Didn't know he could sing. I think he's, he does a pretty damn good job singing. Um, and overall, I was like, I think he's a bright spot on this, this kind of experience that feels like uh, water torture. Um, he he is he is a good water part. torture on a moving carousel. I believe was yeah, it was waterboarded it? on a on a high speed carousel. Yeah, okay. Uh, but um, but he but he again, I I I believed his character. I I bought it, and uh, he did seem kind of. It's like hard this, to sell the concept of unrequited love, like yeah, you know, and the that, naive that romantic in, in and the pie eyed optimist. Yeah. Like I I bought him as 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 when he was reaching for those things. And I yeah. believe that this character really was kind of like, you know, a character that's hidden in a lot of romantic movies, you know, like I, I'm, when I was younger, I was a really big fan and probably still do like 500 days of summer, but I haven't seen it recently. But that's, but point being that that type of character, this like this hopeless romantic that just believes in the power of love deeply is someone we see often in mm-hmm. movies. And, um, I, I, don't recall ever seeing you and doing specifically that before and bought it. I, I really bought it. I thought he did a really good job. No, I, I think maybe the closest analog to this weirdly would be the Star Wars trilogy in, that he was in. Because, I mean, yeah, we're I talking about, you know, like 
it's less gonzo filmmaking than this, but certainly he's working in a heightened theatrical environment there where he's having to like, I mean, when you're acting against nothing like they were when they filmed those movies on giant fucking green screen sets with no fucking props or anything because George Lucas is a psychopath, (laughs) like you have to go cartoony with it because there's nothing to act off of. And let's just be real. George Lucas does not write good dialogue. But but the point Unless is that Yoda. he <laughs> that he kind of powers through that and yeah. he, the no, earnestness he's by far the best performance in those movies yeah. and and the earnestness is coming through and I think he just has this otherworldly ability to like bring you into uh, things that are unreal that way yeah. I don't know I I, I really respect well, his ability to do that another crazy surreal movie and i don't know where it fell in relation to be there being before or after moulin rouge is train spotting sure so that's another kind of that's uh, got a gonzo element for sure yeah and it's very fever dreamish and very bizarre you know um and i would imagine that came out before this but i don't know it for did. sure 1996 so that was his breakout okay. that was uh, uh danny boyle yeah. uh he had worked with danny boyle previously on shallow grave which was uh boyle's debut um, but yeah, that was his breakout. Then he got the Star Wars trilogy basically off of that, yeah. um, and was cast like in episode one, which filmed basically from 96 to 98. And then, uh, yeah, this movie was 2001. So, I mean, this is like, this is in the middle of his Star Wars run. Yeah. Kind of, kind of in the category of like, I've always liked this guy might be a little underrated. Like he's a good actor. He's I think a good he is star. Underrated. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I feel like I haven't seen him in a little bit. I'm sure he's still. He's still doing well, but like, I'd like to see him more often because I do like him a lot as an actor. Well, he's got the Obi Wan Kenobi show that's about to come out on God, I hope Disney that's Plus. Good. I hope God it's damn good. It, dude, Disney is milking that dude, Star Wars. Oh, I hate so all these hard. Marvel shows. I hate all these Star Wars shows. I didn't finish Boba Fett. Uh, dude, I, I, I'm I tempted read. on Moon Knight. I'm tempted on Moon Knight because I have I love me some Oscar Isaac and Ethan Hawke. Those are probably my two favorite working actors today, and they're both in it. And uh, it, it, I'm sure I'm going to end up watching that. But I'm going to watch Obi Wan Kenobi because I love Ewan McGregor. Ewan McGregor is dope. Going back to Ewan McGregor, the same year this comes out, he also has Black Hawk Down, which is another great. Holy shit! Of his. I forgot. Yeah, he's the guy who makes the coffee. Yep. Yeah, Grimesy. Oh, Grimesy. Uh, yeah, that, that I, I really dig him in that movie. But anyway, love Ewan McGregor. Uh, I, I thought he was great in this, and I think he lifted the movie to another level. Last one I want to touch on. This was my biggest problem with the movie. Oh, thank God. And a, a point of agreement. A point that I will... I, I was appalled by this this actor and this performance. Mm-hmm. John, Liguiz- John Liguizamo. Yeah. What Terrible. the fuck are you doing in this movie, dude? Terrible. And again, I don't think his fault. I think he was told to do these things. Awful. Awful, awful. awful. I mean, that that was a disgrace. That I mean, so, okay, for context, that the person that he is playing is a real person from history. Who I didn't had even that, know that actual wow. like like degenerative disease on his legs that prevented them from like growing the right way. So yeah. that is a real person. That guy was the artist who like drew all of the posters for the Moulin Rouge back in the day. But my thing is like, why have that character in there? It serves no purpose. You never tie into like who that person is actually historically. Uh, it feels like a fucking like very. Uh, distasteful cartoon of a, a handicapped person. Yeah. Um, 
and yeah, I just, I, I don't know. I was just like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, it was so, again, so unfunny. And they have the, like, the hinted at, like, you know, that he's uh, homosexual and that he has, you know, an attraction to Ewan McGregor's character. And it's like, just get that out of the movie. Lose, lose those 15, 20 minutes that you spend with fucking John Leguizamo. I can't yeah. say his name. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And I normally like John Leguizamo. Like I, 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 I'm, I'm, generally, I'm, I'm generally anti-Leguizamo. Personally. I'm generally positive. I like him. But, um, but still, like, this was like, and also, you literally have the guy walking in on his knees sometimes. Like, what are we doing here? He was he was shot but terribly. Then he does certain shots where he's just crouching down, but it's clear that he's just crouching down, like in the dance scenes. Yeah. Uh, apparently, he had to go to the fucking chiropractor for like years after this movie because of how often he was squatting down for those shots. And it's like, not dude, surprised. What? Just don't be in this movie. You're not necessary. Yeah. <laughs> no part of his character was necessary to that story. No, and none of it was working. Again, not funny. Like just, just like remember that scene near the end, where first of all he literally at one point just says out loud to himself like, oh, "That's why she's pushing him away," like to himself. It's like we don't need to hear that as an audience. First of all, Baz or Boz, whatever you want to be called, we don't need to hear that. And then also like he gets pulled up high on the stupid f- fucking scaffolding. It's thing. all He's visual like, sight ooh, gags, ooh. and it's. And it's Pull like we're laughing. Whoa. We're laughing at him because he's handicapped. Yeah, and it's just it's not cool. It's just not good. There I will say when he kind of falls and shouts the line, you know, there's nothing more important to learn than having been loved and loving in return or whatever. Like that line was emotionally effective to me. Delivered in that moment. Give it to and any him other shouting character. it like I I've I felt something from that line, and um, so I was like, "All right, movie, I got to give it up." You 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 hit it. You unlocked a feeling with that, and that line delivery in that scenario. But overall, he was probably the character I was most annoyed with. I I was yeah, I hated that. Uh, no, actually, the Duke rivaled him. It was close, neck and neck for those two. Films. And I love the Duke, so yeah, you know, no yeah. accounting for taste, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, that wraps up the actors. I think we kind of went through it. I already mentioned Richard Roxborough. I loved him as the Duke, but uh, just to give him one more shout out, because I think, fuck yeah, I love that mm-hmm. cartoony bullshit. Yeah, nothing wrong with that, if you like it. Anything else we want to touch on before we wrap up here? No, I feel pretty good about... Um, I, I kind of want to touch on my favorite musical sequences. We mentioned yeah, the Roxanne one. Yeah, let's do that. One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we mentioned the Can Can one, but I think the the other one that I really wanted to shoot at was the Like a Virgin one with Jim Broadbent and Richard Roxborough. That oh, yeah. was by far my favorite. That turned into like a Busby Berkeley musical, and I was like, I'm here for it. I love that. Mm. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember that one super clearly. I don't remember having a great... Uh, reaction to it part of it because i'm not a huge fan of that song but the musical performance that that really stuck out to me outside of roxanne like you said we mentioned was the one after after they make the pitch to the duke to put the show on and then ewan sees nicole kidman in her place and like on on her roof of the elephant or whatever and he climbs up and starts trying and they have that that scene of like it's a lot of different clips from different love songs kind of smashed together. Primarily um, your song by Elton John. Yeah. Well, I, well, that was a little bit before, but then this one oh, also had... Oh, different one. Okay. Yeah, this one also... And it did have, you could tell everyone a little bit in it, but also it was like, um, 
I don't know. It was like there's like three or four different love songs that they were building. Even all you need is love. to think about this movie as kind of like coming out around the time where mashups were becoming a thing. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, so this is like a big mashup movie. This is directly uh, responsible for like uh, Super Mash Bros and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe the art. Like, was it RJD2 who did like a combination of like he did Jay Z's The Black Album and the Beatles White Album and stuff like that? Well, that was know? like Danger Mouse. That Danger that Mouse. Did, oh, that the, was Danger Mouse. Danger right. Mouse did the Gray Album. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So, so you're right. Uh, thank you, Baz. But um, this was um, early in that phase. This was 2001, and that was yeah. all coming out when we were in like high school and college. I feel like for sure. But that uh, that kind of medley of love songs, and the cameras circling around them, and Nicole Kidman's walls have come down, and she's like accepting it, and there's like stars and lights of Paris behind them. That was really effective to me. I was like, okay, this is a really strong emotional moment that's 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 hitting me deep, and it's it's this both sonically and visually stunning. Um, so that one for me was, was really effective and probably my favorite piece of music in the movie. Yeah. It's really Um, well done. So even for me, it was a grouchy about the film. There were certain moments where it really broke through and, uh, and, and still impacted me positively. I don't know, man. It doesn't sound like this is the worst movie you've ever seen. (sighs) It's, it's, I'm again, again, not the worst, but like, again, I said it earlier, it's like, it was aggressively screeching against my sensibilities. It's like every yeah. choice they were making is like something I generally don't like when movies make that choice. You know what I mean? It was like, no, totally. It was kind of like set up against me, but even with all that said, it was still, there were still cool, cool moments for sure. And I, I'm really glad. I guess I'm just trying to say that the takeaway I think should be that even when we hate things, there are things to appreciate. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's so great that it's just not a poorly made movie. As we've said, it's just like, even if you're not vibing with something, you can still respect the effort and the art that goes it into it when it's made as well. It is hard shit to put a movie like this together. Do Holy anything, cow. dude. I, find I can't this, even imagine. I find this podcast difficult, and it's like the easiest creative thing anybody can do. <laughs> so it's like, so it's like, uh, can you imagine? So, so I'm glad that we're not a bash movie podcast. But that said, I'm really glad we had an episode like this because we haven't had one yet where we had two incredibly different reactions and I really did not like the movie. But again, it was just from a my personal taste. It wasn't like this is badly made. And I, I hope we can continue to avoid badly made movies because we haven't hit one yet as far as I, I could tell. Anyway, I, I'm glad we watched this one. I'm glad we had kind of a, a shake up and, and I think it was uh, it was a well well needed and well received uh, shake up in my opinion uh, and even though you didn't like it I think it made for a good chat around uh, around filmmaking and uh, what we appreciate about about movies you know fully agree didn't care for it but loved the conversation and I'm glad mm-hmm. we I'm glad we watched it even though I didn't love it I'm glad we watched it for sure all right well shall we get to putting something else on the board I believe this is your yes. week where we're gonna uh, you're gonna fill this empty slot for us huh right right. All right, so I got one, Drew. It's a movie that I is it's like it's a blind spot of mine a little bit. I remember it being mentioned in a Seinfeld episode. I've never really seen it. I've seen clips on YouTube, but I've never seen the movie in full. And the movie is Amadeus. You ever seen Amadeus? I have not seen Amadeus. Okay. I think it seems like it's kind of a little bit like in Aaron Brockovich way, I predict it's going to be kind of like a straight up movie. I don't think it's going to reinvent the wheel necessarily based on my vibe from it, but 
I'm liking that neither of us have seen it. Are you interested in seeing this movie? Very much so. This has been on my list for a long time. I'm a, a big fan of Milos Forman, the director. Um, he also did One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. He did Man Ooh. on the Moon. Um, I love I, both One of Flew. which I'm a huge fan of. Uh, I also really, really dug the People versus Larry Flint, which he directed. Mm. Uh, so yeah, I, I I'm very much on board for this. I think it's going to be kind of a fun one, you know. And uh, who knows when we'll hit it, but. Hopefully it'll be a get a, up against something strange, so it can be one of those palate cleansers. But whoever, like who knows? But I think it's a fun choice. So what number is like that? Because I'm doing All right, Amadeus. So that is going to be taking the place of Moulin Rouge, which was at number seven. Cool, which is a popular number, as I recall. It is. It has been a very popular yeah. number. We've hit that three times. We also hit that for ET and for Bad Day at Black Rock. But for the most part, a cool number is always. De- delivered an interesting chat because we has. both no, love. That, I feel like that's maybe been our our best number in terms of our chats. I don't mm. know. I'd have to look back at them, but that's a pretty solid list Dude, of, of movies there, for sure. End of the year wrap up. We got to do number of the year. You know what I mean? We have to do number like what number year. delivered the most bangers of the whole oh, yeah. of the year. That'd be fun. I like that. Um, well, that's uh, going on bo- the board at number seven. That's Amadeus from nineteen eighty four. Yeah, this is this is going to be cool. I think Amadeus is a fun choice. You want to do a quick zing through the whole list? Yeah, let's run through them. So on the current board, we have at number one, You Can Count on Me. At number two, Ex Machina. At number three, Heaven's Gate. At number four, The Big Sleep. At number five, Operation Condor. Number six, The Sixth Sense. Number seven, Amadeus. Number eight, Alan Partridge. Number nine, Days of Heaven. Number 10, Big Daddy. Number 11, Vertigo. Number 12, The Straight Story. Number 13, Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. Number 14, The King of Comedy. Number 15, Barton Fink. Number six. 16, Putney Swope, number 17, Mother, number 18, The Killing of a Chinese Bookie, number 19, Honor Majesty's Secret Service, and at number 20, The Ballad of Cable Hogue. Awesome, dude. Great list reading. I'm going to throw this thing. <laughs> Thanks, Jared. <laughs> All right, be right back. <laughs> miss and then a selection is this on the new board now this is on the new board yes we I got still a new haven't seen this new board i need to uh get the videos of of these recent hits that's right so i actually i think i'm gonna move its position it's a little inside baseball here but i when i mounted it i accidentally mounted it a bit too high and there's like a coffee table in between me and the board mm. and then i think actually another another wall will be a much better location so it's probably gonna move but it's a good board and probably next weekend i'll remount it but nice well, so what uh, you you had a miss and then a hit, miss and a hit, the hit led us to number three. Oh baby, what is number it? three? Is one that I okay. So I put this on the board. Uh, it's a movie that is one of the most notorious flops of all time. It is. One of the greatest Hollywood stories of the making of a movie ever. And I watched a short documentary on it the other day and got so hyped that I was like praying that you were going to hit it this week. Are you you serious? Oh, that's awesome. It is a movie called Heaven's Gate. Heaven's 
Gate. Is that the Terrence Malick flick? No, it's directed okay. by Michael uh, Michael Cimino, who was coming off The Deer Hunter, which had won Best Picture, Best Actor, all all the above. Right. And it's his follow up to that. It's his movie where he got an unlimited budget, and he made one of the most crazy epic westerns of all time and i am so excited to watch Ooh. it i have it on criterion blu-ray to watch right now and i am so stoked okay so the fact that it's on criterion means it probably aged decently even though it was considered a flop at the time so i'm um, i like westerns a lot i find that they can tap into a lot of different types of energy so i'm excited mm-hmm. to see what this is i know stars- nothing about it do you uh, want me to tell you who's really, in it, or do you just want to go in completely? Blind? You know, I think you. I think when you put it on the board, you told me, but I've forgotten. I think I kind of want to leave it. Okay, I'll leave forgotten it Forgotten for now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Michael Cimino's Heaven's Gate is our selection for this week, and I, I love am it, dude. Fucking stoked, my friend. Dude, I'm excited, and also three. According to the list I saw, we've only hit that once before, so it's not a heavy repeat yep. number, and it's going to be a fun. I think it's a it's a really fun choice. Also, I could take my headphones out. And you could say who's in it if you want the audience to know. No, it's a little no, bit of a no, teaser. No. I'll let the audience look on their own. They can Google they it. I guess. Yeah, That's, you're right. You're right. It's the Jared way. It has to be the way on the podcast. That's it for us tonight. That was our episode on Moulin Rouge. Uh, I dug it. Jared didn't so much, but you know what? <laughs> yeah, the dart so works much. in mysterious ways. And, fun, uh, a fun just, watch. Fun it gave me a gift today uh, for for having to endure the slander of Moulin Rouge uh, with Heaven's Gate for next week. We're excited about that. We will catch you next week, folks. Later. Thank you so much for listening. Please remember to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. If you want to keep in touch or if you have a bullseye selection you want to send our way, drop us a line at dartboardmovienight at gmail.com. If it's for the bullseye, make sure you use subject line bullseye confidential. Follow us on Instagram at Dartboard Movie Night. Artwork for the show is created by Veronica Roman, and all of our music is by Eric Williams. Play us out, Eric. Moulin Rouge, baby.